0: Thank you, Paul. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <coughs> really nice to be here. Um, I admire your, your willingness to come on what's probably the only sunny morning I've uh, ever seen in this part of the world this week. Um, certainly, I live now in Clock Mills, and uh, we seem to live permanently under a cloud there. That's sits over the lands. Lovely day. Great to see you. Um, the topic, let's have a little look at the uh, topic that you've given to me. As Paul has said... Um, I want this to be as interactive as possible. Are you up for that? Okay? Um, I, I don't mean that I'm going to be asking you questions, but I might if you sit very quietly. But I'd really like to try to deal with some of the questions that you have as you come here. Uh, unless it was just to get out of the cold. Um, but. Presumably there will be one or two questions in your mind that you have. As Paul hinted at in his prayer, people's relationship with church <coughs> can vary. I think we heard from the platform this week, uh, if a bishop has a love-hate relationship with the church, <laughs> I thought that was very honest. Um, I, I can certainly relate to that in, in ways. So I'm interested in, in ta- trying to tackle together some of the questions you have rather than to impose stuff upon you. So is that, is that okay? Uh, now, if you look at the title, Love the World, quest mark, then love the church, I don't think that's uh, telling us that once we've sorted out loving the world, then we're to love the church. I don't think that's what the, the punctuation <laughs> leads us to believe. It's, it's really saying the challenge is there to love, love the world. So we need to make sure that we're loving the church because the church is integral in God's purpose for the world. That's that's my understanding of, of what the, the, the question or the title is raising. Now that does uh, raise an implication. Um, and That is that the two haven't always been seen as going together. In other words, engagement in mission and loving the church uh, haven't always seemed to be going together. It's sometimes <laughs> easier to love people far away than love people locally but we're in the track of loving locally according to the handbook so that's that's what we're looking at but i'm aware that there is tension. indeed i'm aware of a large number of people who actually go further than that and say that the church generally gets in the way of mission uh so really if we want to get serious about mission forget the church because it's so stuck it's so traditional it's so this that and the other and we could list a whole lot of issues that we have with the church in general or with the specific church that we go to. Um, So let me put my cards on the table right away. I've been involved uh, in church (laughs) for a very long time. Um, I have loved and liked and disliked and hated all of them. Uh, and uh, sometimes depending on the day. But the reality is that <coughs> there isn't a perfect church. Uh, and we say that as a, as a kind of headline and then we proceed to act as if there should be and it should be ours and why can't they get this right? Now, I have no intention to, to sort of delve into all the faults of the church. I can only speak of the church which uh, I am a leader and there are loads of things in Benavid Church that I don't like and it's okay if you tell the elders that that's fine because they'll be exactly the same. There's no such thing as a perfect church. There aren't any perfect Christians either I've observed looking at myself in the mirror so I suppose that's to be expected so uh, that's just (coughs) to say that I'm not approaching this from the perspective of you know the church has loads of problems so let's go and try to sort them out. This is a positive command The positive command is to love. There is no command in the Bible that says be loved. I haven't ever uh, found one. Um, There's no command like that. The command is actually to love. To love our neighbours as ourselves. To love one another in the body of Christ. uh, To love the world as Christ loved the world etc. So that's the general thing. So let me start by asking do you, what questions do you have in mind as we approach it? We're going to write a few of them up uh, here if uh, Paul has his scribing art. I can't <coughs> write in any language. I used to be a school teacher. <laughs> You're a uh, I, I think you can, <laughs> Paul, I remember. Um, but uh, my writing is just, is just terrible. So what questions do you have in mind as you come to this seminar? What would you like to get out of it? This is not padding, by the way, because uh, uh, I'm <laughs> nothing prepared, I have lots of stuff prepared, but what questions would you have in mind?
1: How does the church re- intermingle or relate to the community that the church is usually placed in? Okay. The church is sometimes <coughs> just a building, but how does that relate then to the society that it works within?
0: Okay. Now I'd say right away that I'm not going to pretend to be able to <laughs> answer all these questions but I'm really interested in the questions. Okay, thank you for having the courage to start us off. Anyone else? Let's have three or four. Here. Yeah?
1: In terms of the balance of terms of church structure and actually um, day-to-day working in the church in terms of focus on mission and discipleship, Yeah. in terms, your discipleship should always be by mission focused and there yeah. should be a natural outpouring of that, but if um, you're feeling very led to encourage more mission where the natural sort of feeling in the congregation for the discipleship at least, the mission
0: isn't there. Yep. Is it appropriate really to put those structures in place whenever your church in a isn't ready? Okay, so th- th- this is, this is uh, if I've understood you correctly, uh, this is, you're really dealing with the general introversion of church here very much that we, te- we tend to be very <laughs> inward looking. How do you push that, especially if folks aren't ready? Okay, that's a good question. Uh, I do wish I knew the answer to that. <laughs> that's one of the issues we face. Any other questions?
1: Yeah? I noticed on Facebook recently a new term coming from the States, the Duns, The D-O-N-E. DUNS, they're done with church but not done with God. All right, okay. i interested in your comments on that.
0: Yeah, interesting question, uh, is this a bit like, uh, a few years ago it was, that they, they love Jesus, it's the church they have, is it the same kind of thing? Yeah, okay. I thought it was a new branch of Dunn's stores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any ladies would like to have a question? Is it least equal number of, yes? Conflict within the church. Uh, what you're really doing is giving Paul titles for his uh, <laughs> hopeful <laughs> next books. Books with an S, Paul.
1: Yeah.
0: Dealing with conflict in the church. Wow. Yes. Good one. Thank you. Any more? Yeah, at the back. How do, how do we as a church, as a individual denomination, retain our history and traditions that are important to us without becoming very sort of dogmatic and unwilling to change or embrace new ideas. Okay, so we're, we're, we're dealing with retaining the, the best yeah. and moving forward. How do you keep the good stuff yeah. in the past? But use the good stuff that's coming new as well. Yeah, so good good tradition versus traditionalism yeah. And the issues of change and all of that. Well, there's another bit <laughs> Brilliant. Good. There's somebody else. Yes?
1: How do we encourage women to use their gifts within the church when the grey suits are trying to. Do
0: you have a problem with grey suits? <laughs> 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 Sorry, women in grey suits. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so encouraging women to use their gifts. Where are scriptures quoted against women participating in leadership. Okay. Okay. Anything else? Yes? How can we stop church being so busy? Oh great. Yes. How can we stop church being so busy? I think people would sign up to your seminar on that topic. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good we, ha- we, have, we have the perfect number 7 I'm going to hold it there because <coughs> there will probably be some will we'll come up in a moment now what I want to do is to try to root our discussion of these things in a few verses of um, scripture just as a base <coughs> on this topic specifically of loving the church and what flows from that? What's involved in that? Uh, because some of the questions I have coming out of the title are, "What is the church and what is love?" Those, are, those are very. Uh, I'm a very simple guy, uh, uh, and those are sort of basic questions that I have. Particularly the issue of what is love. Um, I, I say that because. Uh, i think generally <coughs> cultures struggle with this when i was growing up love wasn't a thing that was talked about a lot until the beatles came along <laughs> uh, i remember the first beatles song i ever heard was she loves you yeah, yeah, yeah. this is this was revolutionary and then i want to hold your hand uh, so i was da- you know dancing around the kitchen my mother actually allowed me to listen to it she wonderfully advanced for her age but <laughs> love was not something that was talked about a lot uh, um, uh, certainly not in the kind of church uh, background that I, it, was, it was mentioned occasionally but now it's everywhere but it seems to me that it's generally the definition is dominated by Hollywood um, love equals uh, passionate feelings love is to do with sentiment I don't mean sentiment in the bad sense although it could be but in that area uh, and it doesn't seem to me to have enormous amount to, d- to do with the, what the new testament talks about in terms of love that is strong that is tough that is truthful that is purposeful and so on and i think it's a useful check to keep in mind when we're talk a- about love because if we're not careful uh, love like grace like so many other great words we can be <coughs> talking across each other and people don't actually, we're, we're not meaning the same thing when we talk about it. And that, you see, when it gets to that, that raises questions. For example, when you have those rare occasions and you're in a church where you have to exercise what is known as church discipline, then you have the usual, oh, how could you be loving? and Yeah, but it's, it's something to think about. Parents think about this all the time with their children. <coughs> I'm terribly unloving. I mean, look at the way I went. Mean, oh, dear, this feels so terrible inside. I have four children, I now have four grandchildren. No problem loving my grandchildren, I <laughs> have to say. That's a blast. Sweets, anything they want, spoil them rotten. Um, and, and my own children look at me, you never did that with us when we were we. Well, there was a reason for that. You were my children, not my grandchildren. So, anyway. Let me look very quickly at 1 Peter chapter 1 at the end where we're told specifically to, to love one another. Uh, this is verse 22 of, of, of 1 Peter. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers and sisters, love one another deeply from the heart. So there's the command. There is love there, but it's something that needs to be worked on. Love one another deeply from the heart. Now, the heart is the deep seat of the personality, will, and emotions, everything combined. It's not talking about sentiments here. For Now, here's the reason. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Okay? So I just want to make a few comments on that, and then we'll come back to our discussion, and it may raise other questions for us. The, The command here that we are to love one another, it's given in a context where Peter has been talking about the Christian life as a journey, mapping it onto the... Old Testament journey that I'm sure you're familiar with and Peter uses that as an analogy. Crossing a desert heading towards a promised land and I mean that's been used by preachers down through the ages it still is especially if you're teaching first Peter it's right there in the text and the idea then that he has implanted in people's minds, and it's a very contemporary idea is that we are on a journey Where it differs from the contemporary notion of journey is that we arrive somewhere. Uh, Our modern culture is probably over influenced by the old idea that it's better to travel hopefully than to arrive. The New Testament concept of journey is that there is a definite goal. There is an inheritance that is kept for us and we are being preserved by the power of God for it. And we are on a journey towards that goal. And Peter wants to establish that. But he now points out that that is not an individual journey. It's a collective journey. We are on that journey (coughs) together. What is the primary attitude, therefore, that is required on this collective journey? And that is that we love one another. Another deeply that's the critical factor if we have therefore a concept that we are on a journey together towards not s- simply a bigger church or towards the achievement of individual uh, objectives and mission but we are on a journey towards an eternal community that the dwelling place of God is amongst people. It's with people. That is God's objective. So this is a collective. It's a community. It's a fellowship. It's a body thing. If we have that in mind, then logically, love flows out of that. These are the people we are traveling with. These are the people we are actually going to spend eternity with. So we have the opportunity now to learn what love means, not in an airy, fairy sense, but loving our fellow travelers who are on this same journey. Now he goes further than that. He says that you have been born again with imperishable seed. That is, the word of God has entered. It's a living, dynamic thing. The reason we're on this journey is that a change has taken place as a result of us buying our need to Jesus and obeying Him. You notice the emphasis in Peter on the, what Paul would call the obedience of faith. It is buying, acknowledging Him as Lord. We have done that. His word, His powerful word by a Spirit has entered our life. We have been born again, born from above. We have a new life. We share that with everyone else who has also been born again so it's a shared life so we're travelling together with that shared life therefore the encouragement then is to love one another because what has happened to you is imperishable you're going to be around forever so logically good to get to learn how to love now that's the the impression. Now sometimes when you see how I act and how you act and how other Christians act, you wouldn't ever get the impression that we were planning on an eternity together. (laughs) Or else we're saying, well I know he's going to be in heaven but he better change a lot before he gets there. (laughs) Uh, And I understand that if you're referring to me, yes. And because I'm still here it means there's still a lot to change. But that's the that's, that's what is in mind here now this takes love to in my understanding to a much bigger dimension because it puts it in an eternal context one of the struggles personally I have with church generally with Christians generally uh, in this period of history it seems to me that very often we've lost our sense of eternity we lost the reality of the eternal kingdom of God we even lost a bit of the reality of the return of Jesus Christ our focus tends to be on the here and now and of course culture's focus is on that by definition and therefore we, c- we can't expect not to be influenced by that so life is about making things as comfortable, as happy as meaningful as fulfilled here and now within the confines of this world and very often the emphasis on christianity is basically very much the same it's about comfort it's about health it's about fulfillment it's about feeling good it's about doing exciting things it's about it's about the temporary many of them are good things but with the loss of the eternal dimension A lot of other things go, including one of the key motivations to love. (coughs) Without that eternal focus, that's where we're headed. God is uh, preparing a community to be together with him. We're all in this journey together. Without that, we can end up being very selective in the people that we love we can end up turning love into sentiment and uh, love means having gushy feelings for other people um, and that's very difficult mm-hmm. to do. Uh, some of you may be able to do it but uh, you know when I look around the, the gathering of, of believers on Sunday uh, in Glen Abbey, do I have a gushy gooey feeling uh, when I look at every individual? I have to confess no. Um, I do occasionally when I look at my grandchildren uh, or look at my wife. but we're talking about something much stronger it seems to me and that may be one of the questions and in that context he then goes on to chapter 2 therefore get rid of the things that hinder how we relate to one another you notice that all of these things are are really relational get rid of malice get rid of deceit get rid of acting, Get rid of envy and slander of every kind. And seek to grow. So that's the basic concept. That there's an eternal inheritance we're going to. Part of that inheritance is actually one another. We tend to think of the inheritance as, as the golden streets <laughs> etc. But actually when you look at Revelation you see that this is talking about a community. This is talking about the new community, the new Jerusalem, the bride of Christ. You and I have the opportunity to build into that. To influence others positively, to love people, to care for them, to cherish, to challenge, to shape, to direct them. And what you and I invest in them is building something that is part of Christ's inheritance in the sense and is part of our shared inheritance. That's actually quite exciting. I need to know that as an elder in the church. I've been an elder for almost 40 years. <laughs> I became an elder when I was three. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and th- there are times when uh, the little voice goes off, and that increases as I get older. There are times when the little voice goes off in my head. Oh, you know, you could do with just you know we've been round this particular house 50 times before just the names are changed but it's the same issue why do people never learn why is this why is that You and i'm thinking all this stuff and then uh, occasionally at least uh, another voice will come and say well you do need it gilbert <laughs> you do this is part of the inheritance this is part of you learning this is part of you growing This is part of you learning the qualities that God values eternally in your life. So when you think I don't need this, probably the Holy Spirit is saying this is exactly what you need. Now that's not much comfort to anybody sitting here really struggling with stuff and it's not the only answer. Please don't misunderstand me, there are genuine issues which you need to look at. But sometimes I find within myself, this is just confession time, (laughs) a little bit too quick to run from the issue to shy away and then miss out on the investment uh, and the learning potential in that so love is a deep thing it is a a commitment it is loving uh, the church as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her the fundamental reason why we're to love the church uh, in the end has nothing to do with mission immediately it's to do with the Lord Jesus he loved the church and gave himself up that's what he calls us to do he calls husbands to love their wives that way, he's calling us to love his bride that way and you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are part of the bride of Christ exciting thought isn't it but that's also a responsible thought just imagine how I would feel if somebody abused my wife That's how serious this is. People abusing the bride of Jesus. And sometimes I've done that in various ways. We're all learning at this and we all fail in many things. But th- those are some of the principles. Now back to the does that raise any other questions for you before we turn to our, our list. So, Paul, we, we have room for another four or five
1: um, how do we balance unity with purity within a church? Okay.
0: Purity in the sense of, of doctrine, in the sense of moral behaviour. I suppose both, okay. Yeah. Okay. Are any of those bishops available just to come <laughs> in? To <laughs> <laughs> another one, yeah? It seems to raise a, a wits question. A wits question. Because the verse you quoted from Peter, um, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, yeah. is written to believers in a huge Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia. Yeah, it's a huge geographical area. Yeah. So it's speaking to the whole of Ireland. Yeah. How do you do that? And here we are. There's probably about ten denominations. Yeah, at least there we There's a big width question. Width, it? It? <laughs> the width question, uh, and it's really a question then in practical purposes. What is the church really? Yeah. Um, it, it comes down to that that basic question. Yeah. Any others? Paul still has room. I think we're in to squeeze two more in. If you're sitting here thinking this is just not what I wanted to hear, needed to hear, I have a question, nobody's answered it, please do ask it.
1: I would like to hear some <coughs> um,
0: wisdom on dealing with like a church split,
1: um, okay. like how you process that, um, how you don't feel disillusioned by it, because it seems totally contrary
0: yeah, to the Bible. Um, so something on like that. but mm-hmm. yeah. well, having come through two of those in my life, I can not okay. say something yeah. <laughs> uh, about <coughs> that, okay. And one more. Let's one more. I, don't, I actually have no idea what time it is, so I could be asking for, for a quarter past. <coughs> quarter past. Yeah. So we finish... Well, we have nearly half an hour. Yeah, That's good.
1: How do you, how do you rise above the
0: denominations and
1: look, look for that unity in, in the real true yeah you know, That we're all seeking
0: after the things of the Lord and um, we, we have put all those little boxes in place and God is so much bigger and we can't possibly reach into the reality of our culture and the situations yeah. we're looking at if all we can see are all these little boxes. Yeah. Okay, it's a very good question. Yeah, denomination on boxes. Okay, Paul, it's nice, over to you. Where, where do you think we should start <laughs> with, 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 with all of this? There may not be in, in any sort of chronological order, so have you any?
1: I've been mean, trying to group them together. There's a few. We've got this issue of <laughs> relation and mission, which then raises questions about structures there's is the issue of disillusionment done with the church, but not with God, and the feeling of disillusionment in concrete situations where there's been a split? Um, there's again this one about change. it relates here. Okay. So, um, and then unity has come up a few times, the time. yeah. As well. So, okay. And so again, well. this: w- what is the church? I it? relates to that as well. Um. I don't know where do you want to?
0: Okay, uh, well, uh, 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 let, let me start with the third question there just very briefly, the dung stores question. Um, uh, Done with church but not with God. and G- I, I do understand that. Um, again, what I would say about each of these is that um, they're all big questions and they can't be answered with a sound bite. Um, that's part of so all we can do. All I can do is certainly comment one or two things, and I've asked Paul just to just to jump in and comment that as he wishes to. Uh, um, that's important. Uh, so, but I would say that there, there's no sign there no sign by dancers. There are a number of many different reasons why people feel they're done with the church. I can understand that if somebody's been sexually abused by one of the church leaders. I mean, Know, now, that's not where most people are, but you need to understand where people are, are, are um, first of all, and, and listen to the reasons for, wh- what they they mean, of course, is the church generally in any organized form, in any de- with any label, any denomination, or any leadership, or so on. They're not done with the t- church in the broadest sense of other Christians, presumably, uh, they have one or two other Christian friends, and they feel that that is that is enough. Um, and again, I can I can understand that feeling from certain perspectives. Um, one of, one of the difficulties that often arises with this uh, is that um, their understanding of God and Jesus. Uh, I would want to ask, what kind of God is it? For uh, who is this Jesus that you, you, you like but you don't like his church uh, in other words you don't like his bride this is, <laughs> this is a little bit difficult here and just to talk that out certainly from a culture's point of view when you're talking about God and Jesus I suspect that most people in, even in Northern Ireland culture really have very little idea of who Jesus is really probably haven't read the gospels for themselves uh, and they're they're substituting this cool Jesus that fits into their own mold. Uh, now, I can understand them liking a Jesus like that, but that's not the real Jesus. And in the end, if you read the Gospels, you discover that many of the people who liked him at the start uh, wanted him dead at the end. So, sometimes people just need a few of the facts shared with them uh, on that uh, journey. But uh, Yes, there are occasions where the Lord Jesus, the risen Christ, said to individual churches that he was on the point of being done with them. Uh, (laughs) If if you don't uh, repent, he said, I'll remove the (coughs) lampstand. In other words, I'll remove your witness. i just remove that. I mean, you can sit and meet and do all you like, but there's no witness there. The the Spirit uh, uh, has gone in that sense. Um... God can feel like that occasionally about individual churches, but we need, need to hesitate. I, I have never been done with the church <laughs> in that sense. I have, as I'll talk a little bit uh, later, had to leave a couple of churches uh, over the course of, uh, of history. And I haven't always done that the best way, I would say, so I'm not a paragon of how to do that. But... Uh, I've never been done with it simply because it's God's church, it's God's idea. Christ loved the church. and so, so I come from that perspective, that I believe in it. I believe also that it's always flawed, and Christians are always flawed, but that God is calling us to this because it's part of what we are to do. It's part of how I grow. And as I look back, even the pain, even the misunderstandings, uh, even some of the things that have happened to me in, in in church, like having people you know wave their fists at me and tell me I wasn't a Christian to my face, and to all sorts of stuff. Um, all of that God has been able to use to develop certain things in my character, which wouldn't have been there if it had all been done according to my script. So I think. I would be very uncomfortable with the idea that you can just have church and Starbucks with a couple of friends, um, because I think so much is missing from that. That's basically Friends TV series or whatever the modern equivalent, with a kind of a, a Christianized thing. But the reality is that you're not getting the accountability, you're not getting the leadership. New Testament uses the image of sheep and shepherds. Sheep need shepherds. If God has appointed shepherds in the church, because we need them, sheep don't always think they need them, but we do need them. So there's an accountability there that is that is vital for us, even if it is imperfect. Paul, any comments on
1: no, it? I mean just thinking this this issue. There's obviously a cultural trend of lack of mm-hmm. commitment. Yeah. I think that's that's part of if it's a postmodern turn or whatever people call it. But there's a <coughs> sense of commitments are short term. Yes, they're chosen. True. Um, there, there's not that sense of deep and lifelong commitment on the flip side is the church calling people to something substantive you know what is the, the, the centre of unity what is it that that holds us together so you've talked about that journey Gilbert and you know is it that sense of the shared destination is it our shared love for Christ and devotion to him which should be deeper than I mean maybe we don't talk enough about the things that unite us yeah. but then at the same time with this question of of the limits of that doctrinal and moral, presumably there are limits as well. I, yes, I don't know how yes. You, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, you know, once you start delving into the topic, you, you'll be into a three hour conversation <laughs> the one, on the one question, mm-hmm. I, I think. But certainly, I uh, think that my brother John kept repeating some of you will know him uh, is that the gospel challenges all cultures, especially my own. And I've used that as a kind of a maxim. Um, where does the gospel actually challenge my culture? My culture of preferences. The things Paul was talking about there. The short-term commitment. The kind of, well, i fed up with McDonald's, so we'll try Kentucky Fried Chicken approach to church. <coughs> well, I suspect the gospel does challenge that rather deeply. <coughs> and if we feed that then I think we're, we're in a problem. And yet at the same time, there are times when if McDonald's is poisoning you, you'd be wise to actually go to Kentucky. I don't have shares in either. Do <laughs> so it, it doesn't answer everything, but I think it's just to alert us that we may be speaking out of our own culture preferences or personal preferences mm-hmm. rather than a profound sense of responding to the Lord Jesus in this all back
1: to you. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to find that unity both locally and regionally, so there's the question there about, you were talking about Pontus and various regions, Uh, this idea of the structures and the traditions and holding on to that and respecting that, but how do we do that locally with people who perhaps have come from different traditions and are now fellowshipping together in one place? Uh, How do we speak about other churches? Is there something there as well that at least we could do? I mean, I'm conscious that we have genuine differences and sometimes those differences do lead us to meet yes. separately, but that doesn't mean we have to, well we can be critical of ideas and constant. We, we need space to discuss those meaningfully, but that's a very different thing than billing ourselves as we've got it right and yeah. you've got it wrong. Is yeah. how, how do you see that?
0: Well, that, that, that's <laughs> good on yeah. I mean, in this area, We uh, in in our own church haven't always got this one right. Um, I I think there's a tendency, particularly uh, for young men, and when I started with a bunch of young men like me in their thirties, there is a tendency towards arrogance. It doesn't always happen but there's a sort of feeling that we have invented church, that everything that happened up to now <laughs> wasn't worth thinking about, and we are the people, um, and a lot of the process of my personal discipleship has been unlearning uh, some of that, and having reality checks, um, but uh, we, do ha- we have tried to put certain things in place, where for example we do not Use our platform, our teaching platform of church to criticize other churches or denominations. Plain Abbey is a sort of a strange thing um I don't know if anybody here has been there, but it's it it, it started with a bunch of Christian refugees back in nineteen eighty eight and uh, I was the sort of leader in the monks of that, and it sort of grew like topsy and um I can't say that it was this wonderful church plant with visionary leadership and we had a, it wasn't that, it just kind of happened and there we were and it grew and then what do we do now? We make it up as we go along. Um, uh, So that's the kind of thing uh, that Glen Abbey, now it's uh, it's probably a wee bit better than that now (coughs) you know it's not a little bit (laughs) organized and understood but it means that I'm not really in much of a position to comment on somebody for example who's who's been in say, a, a Church of Ireland church that was established in 1108 or whenever it was, and has been preaching the gospel for, for centuries. I mean, I, I take my hat off to people who did that. Some of those people are in my lineage. I'm here because there were faithful people hundreds of years ago who passed the gospel. I'm in no position whatsoever to be critical of, of the past, or then to comment on how you retain the tradition uh, going forward. I would just make one comment, and that is the difference between good tradition and bad tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sort of traditionalism, which can be the thing that imprisons it. There are some good traditions, good things that, I mean, Paul talks about those things that were handed down from the Lord. That's a good, to break bread, to remember the Lord, that's a good tradition. It's a tradition that's a good one. But uh, have, uh, traditions about other things that aren't central to Scripture and to hold those to the point where they end up conflicting with Scripture and freedom under Christ, then I think that becomes a problem. And it's just good to encourage people to constantly be thinking about the things that they are uh, intellectually but often actually emotionally committed to. Because um, we all have them. Uh, I had them. Uh, I, I remember. Uh, uh, because of my background and some of the ladies will think this is dreadful but because because of the background I remember the the, the first time in a situation where women were involved in distributing the bread and wine at communion there was something this isn't right and then I had to have a talk to myself and say well where in Scripture does it say that this isn't right? Well, nowhere, but it shouldn't be. You know, you know the kind of thing. Well, I got over that very quickly. But uh, and other churches take a different view from that, by the way. I'm not being critical of anybody who doesn't have women do or who uses this or that or who's only ministers do That's not my point. My point is that I personally find out blind spots at things I was committed to emotionally, culturally, if you like,
1: that I hadn't thought through biblically. And I think we all are. Paul, on that. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, maybe folks from the audience have something to say as well. It strikes me, Gilbert, you mentioned about the the destination of the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we hold that intention, recognizing this isn't going to be perfect until Christ makes it perfect? Um, so Christ is is will beautify His church and and His bride. Um, and how do we avoid sort of because we see the destination as that eternal destination, then retreating from culture and becoming a a lifeboat that's sort of pulling people out of the sea of the world, but yes. you know, not yeah. really transforming the world. So, yeah. I know that's a very big issue, but it seems to me there's a couple of the questions there. And <coughs> I mean, it is the, suppose that relates to the question of structures and change. You know, are, are we changing because the world is changing, or we? Uh, th- there's some questions <laughs> there, how do we hold that tension together about the end? Wh- which
0: out? one of those questions would you like? You decide. <laughs> <laughs> if you go. No, there were about five <laughs> in there, yeah, true, so,
1: true. so go back, give me one well, What, so, what of, do folks yeah. think from the audit? Let's bring that in yes. and see where, where folks want Anybody to
0: Anybody want to comment those.
1: on it? Or from your lived experience, I mean, Gilbert's talked about his, and, and we're all in different contexts, church-wise. So Is the church, Gilbert, is it is the church a foretaste of heaven? <laughs> not in your experience, but <laughs> should it be? And does that not does that not lead us to a little bit of idealism? And, you know, yeah, how do you how do you hope I, for I, better? I, but, but I don't sort of I so. don't
0: I don't conceive of it in, in those terms. Okay. N- not forecast in the sense that you, you look at the tourist brochure and you see the beaches and the, the sunshine and that's a forecast of what it's actually going to be like in Warren Point when you go there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, not that. Uh, but but rather. In a sense, th- these are the people I'm going to be with. This is part of that bigger. Now it's, it's people from every tribe and tongue and kindred and nation. It's way beyond that. But these are the people I know, and that that puts something there that uh, that that should be there. I mean, it's one of the marks of the Christian is love for his brothers and sisters. If that's not there, I think we need to start asking questions about how we've understood the gospel. I mean, Peter implies that. Uh, one of the evidences that we have actually trusted Christ is this love for our brothers and sisters, which is tested and all the rest of it, but but it but it is it is there. So don't it's not so much a, a foretaste. You know we have a, you have a lovely time over coffee with some Christian fan. Oh, it's just like heaven. And then the next time it's a whole fight fighting the conflict. Well, what's it like? Hmm. Uh, not not so much in those terms, But on the issue of. I think there, there was a time in the past where people only talked about e- eternity in, in terms that so we're tryn- we have to pluck people out if they're going to hell and, and that's all that matters and we withdraw from doing anything in our culture. I, I, I just think that's, that's misunderstanding uh, and certainly dr- that directly uh, goes against what the New Testament teaches about uh, we are to be people who are devoted to good works according to Paul Titus that you've got to teach people to be like that he says to Titus. that's a key way of adorning the gospel so people see what it's like that we're involved uh in adorning the gospel with our acts of compassion and kindness so on as long as it's adorning the gospel and not not you know taking people away from the gospel in light of eternity that should free us up (coughs) That should free us up from a lot of the other material, more material concerns that we may personally have, because we know that that's where we're going, and therefore our life is organised around that principle. It should liberate us to be involved. certainly it did for Daniel. I mean, look at his involvement in the, the political setup, if you like, at least as head of the civil service in the country. A strong belief in the purpose of God and history and eternity and all of <laughs> that
1: liberated him to serve God wherever he was, and that was his positive outlook. Uh, as an Ulster man, Gilbert, who can fight with my own shadow, then, you know, <laughs> this is going to... we are going to rub against each other if we have that level yes. of commitment to each other, and yeah. love is, is painful at times, it yeah. opens your heart up to, yeah. to hurt, obviously. So how, just on that question of conflict, and how we do deal with it, have you any advice on that? Well, it's, it's painful. Uh,
0: it's exhausting. <clears throat> it's demanding, a lot of the conflicts that, that I find myself involved in I get involved very often as an elder when it's too late and the conflict is so deeply ingrained uh, and that's, that's a difficulty so the first thing I'd say I'm sure there's, there's a need for us to be more upfront to talk about what happens when Christians disagree uh, to teach what the new has to say about that uh, not simply the extremes, but the, the basic stuff, for, for example, of Romans 14. Uh, the grey areas, if you like, that people disagree with each other and very strong opinions over. And how do you move together in those things? To actually teach it, to talk about it, to equip leaders, to handle it, to help people to think through their own positions and the position of the other person, to help people to speak after listening to one another. I think there's a, there's a lot of basic things there that, for example, we would seek to do uh, a little bit as part of our, our basic uh, uh, teaching course in Glen Abbey in our home groups with our leadership development, with all that kind of thing. We'd we try to be getting those, those things uh, in there. Uh, and if you're majoring on the main thing, going back <coughs> to your question of a very important one, of what is at the core of the gospel. Um, those major things. And avoid the use of, of, of labels. I mean, we have, we have people in Abbey who would call themselves by all kinds of labels. We, we don't use labels because labels unite some and divide them from others. That, that's what happens. And you were talking about boxes uh, earlier. And I, I just have a personal aversion to, you know, Labels, uh, and I, I'm a Christian, I'm uh, not even that keen on the term evangelical. And once you start using things like reformed, charismatic, all the rest of it, you, you tend to almost Well, this is, we, this is what we believe, and therefore if you don't believe it, you can't fit in with us. And of course, that's what happens. Now, you, you said yourself that churches work out their own position on certain <coughs> things and they differ. And need, therefore, for the sake of sanity and peace and, and getting on with the gospel to operate separately. I have no problems with that. I think individual churches are individual churches that need to be responding to the Lord. Um, but to take it to this, uh, I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember going to a conference a couple of years ago as in America, and uh, the, fir- the first question I was asked, somebody started talking to me, are you Reformed? That was the first question he asked. Not, you know, how's your wife, or your
1: children, or are <laughs> you reformed? Are you sure he heard, you heard him right, it wasn't <laughs> D, D, No. <laughs> no I wasn't.
0: Well, what I, what I, what I simply it was said, read, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> what, I, what I said to Arthur said, from what? <laughs> <laughs> and he was, was completely taken And then we had a really good conversation, and then he realised, what am I using, uh, you know, I'm trying to pigeonhole you within 10 seconds of meeting you, crazy stuff. I don't ask, or I don't think I ask that sort of question of people. I really want to know, do they love the Lord Jesus? Mm. What, what are they doing? How, how are they serving? What, what's happening? You know, can I encourage? Can we pray for you? Can we do that? We may not see the eye, eye on certain things like spiritual gifts or Calvinism versus Arminianism or that kind of thing, but we can manage that stuff. I think we should be able to manage that stuff.
1: You, you mentioned about the, the core of the gospel, obviously. Uh, you know, thinking of that in terms of doctrine, but obviously there are a lot of discussions now about moral issues. Are those yes. core or, or not? Or how do we know <laughs> well, where are? You're, you're
0: much better <laughs> qualified to answer that. But it's um, that
1: question of, of morality. Do you feel that, the, that that's where the lines need to be drawn in some ways in the current age? Or how do we handle those? Well
0: again, I think that there are there are certain things where I mean obviously things like the definition of marriage itself are are, are the ones that are very much uh, to the fore these days and I think uh, Christians need to be very wise in how they talk about th- about that uh, in the current uh, social and political setting, which isn't <laughs> going to um, so we need to be wise about that um, but I do think that, that these things are important, that, that uh, I, I stick with how God has, has defined these things. I'm not seeking to impose that in that sense on anybody else, but that's where I am. Now, if that means that people write me off, uh, well, then that's that's their issue and will probably become my issue. But it, it is a difficult one. But I think you see even here, I mean, that's the big headline thing, but I do think... Over the last 40, 50 years, there's been basically a decline in uh, people taking sexual morality seriously as, as Christians. I think there's been a lot of, oh, well, sure, you know, God loves everybody and it doesn't really matter, and that has crept in, and, and therefore people just generally haven't had the same high view of human sexuality, of sexual intercourse, and so on. So the climate, even in the churches, I think has been a a, a stroke that and you know, teaching the Bible. The thing that for me a double most is, is just the basic ignorance as to what the Bible actually says. Hmm. Even before it gets to a discussion, just understand who well, doesn't does say that? Well, yes, let's let's talk about. It. It does
1: the basic facts yeah a couple of minutes left just get very quickly on that issue of church being so busy i mean is it church leaders like yourself organizing too much stuff so that people i mean does that get in the way of people loving each other and being engaged in the world (laughs) do we need to strip it right back Uh, this this
0: is a funny thing i think churches sort of their pendulums on this um uh, Growing up, uh, church was full of meetings, you went to meetings and you arrived uh, one minute before the time and on the hour you disappeared and so you didn't actually meet, you attended but there wasn't a great deal of meeting. So I'm glad that that has shifted, Uh, I'm pleased to see, you know, in our own context, people stay sometimes up to two hours to talk and have coffee and and so on, so that's good and it seems to be more relational. I think one of the pressures comes from the fact that every time uh, Christians see a problem in society they think the church should be doing something about it. Now I don't personally (laughs) feel that way, but uh, it kind of drives what's the church doing about this, what's the church doing about that, well hang on a minute, uh, you know, we we do, there are certain things that (coughs) we can do, certain things, and each church will identify (coughs) different ways, but we can't do everything and therefore we have to be selective. But sometimes we end up with so many things going on that people aren't focusing on the primary <coughs> stuff, which is growing in their faith and in their knowledge and love of Christ, and uh, to equip them for doing the other thing. Uh, it comes back to this that often we prefer pragmatic activism to... Um, Engagement with God and prayer in His Word, and encouraging one another to grow spiritually, and, and talking about deeper level stuff
1: that we need to be talking about. I, I yeah, I'll just, just encourage. I'll just encourage. <laughs> Please fill in the the back <laughs> 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 terms to, to do. That. Yeah. Yeah. prompt is then when big moral
0: questions come people don't know where they are there's a question about the church split Mm. how do we deal with a church split without becoming disillusioned the easy answer to that is to say it's very difficult Um, as I know from experience um, it's very hard, it's painful very painful, and it takes time. And you need the uh, Pro- problem is with the business. Where so the teaching, tea gets dumbed down, dumbed down, down, where it's all fun and games and so on, and so on. But actually, the, the solidity of this. Then, when big moral questions come, people don't know where they are the church split. Mm. How do we deal with a church split without becoming disillusioned? The easy answer to that is to say it's very difficult. Um, as I know from experience, um, it's very hard, it's painful, very painful, and it takes time. And you need uh, a brother or sister who's maybe experienced it or is a mature believer to, to walk you through it. But ago by others was that I needed to be free to serve the Lord. That was the key